This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. The New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes aired from 1939. The main characters were played by Basil Rathbone as Sherlock and Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson. But tonight we're in for a bit of a treat. Playing Sherlock Holmes is Sir John Gilgood and Dr. Watson played by Sir Ralph Richardson. Gilgood was an English actor and theater director whose career spanned eight decades. With Ralph Richardson and Laurence Olivier, he was one of the trio of actors who dominated the British stage for much of the 20th century. So I'm sure it must have been a pleasure for Gilgood and Richardson to act in this fine program together. Having been so used to Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce as the two main characters, I found it a little strange with other voices inhabiting the characters, but only for a few minutes. The acting chops of these two veterans soon have you convinced they are the residents of 221B Baker Street. More about Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson as we hear the episode broadcast in 1954, Sherlock Meets Dr. Watson. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized anew with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes. My name is Watson, Dr. John H. Watson. It may be familiar to you through my association over many years with one of the most remarkable men I believe the world has ever known, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I want to tell you about one of our earliest adventures, the first time that we went out into the streets of London in active partnership. We were still youngish men, it was far back in the early 1880s. We had shared those famous rooms, number 221B Baker Street, for only a few months. Watson, my dear fellow, you're just in time. In time for what, Holmes? Well, you've so often been good enough to express a genial interest in my singular profession. Now you'll be able to see me actually at work. Oh, well, I'm delighted, Holmes. It should be fascinating. Ah, but I must sit down by the fire. Deuce chilly out. Oh, do, do, my dear fellow. Oh, by the way, Watson, why Turkish? Turkish? How do you mean? The bath. 
The bath you've just come from, my dear fellow. Why the relaxing and expensive Turkish rather than the invigorating homemade article across the passage here? Well, because I felt lazy and... But I haven't said a word about it. How the deuce did you know I'd had a Turkish bath? Your boots, Watson. Boots? The thing's quite elementary, surely. Oh, no doubt, but you'll forgive me if I fail to see the least connection. You always do your boots up in the same way, Watson. However, on this occasion, I see them fastened with an elaborate double bow. Uh-huh. And so, of course, you've had them off and someone else has tied them for you. Who, for example? The answer can only be your bootmaker or the boy at the Turkish baths. As your boots were only made and delivered here late last week, it's hardly likely to have been the bootmaker, so what remains but the bath? Absurdly simple, isn't it? Upon <laughs> my soul, Holmes, you really are the strangest fellow. Ah, wait till you meet Milverton. He's stranger still. Milverton? Who's Milverton? Charles Augustus Milverton of Hampstead. In all probability, the most evil man in London. Indeed? It sounds fascinating. I invited him for 6.30, so he's almost due. Oh, I shiver at the thought of him. But what's he do for a living, this strange caller of ours? Blackmail, Watson. Huh? Yes, he looks like Mr. Pickwick. But heaven help the man, or worse still, the woman who's indiscreet enough to get into his power. And what have you to do with him? Well, I've had the honor recently to be consulted by a particularly illustrious lady. Who is she? Do I know her? Well, I expect you know her name. Lady Eva Brackwell, the most beautiful debutante of last season. But of course, isn't, isn't she to be married in a fortnight to the Earl of Dovercourt? Yes. It's all arranged. Unluckily for her, Milverton has managed to get hold of some imprudent letters, Watson, which she wrote some time ago to a penniless young fellow in the country. Only imprudent, mind you, but they'd be quite sufficient to break off the match. And you're commissioned to meet him? Yes, and make what terms I can. I think he's here, Watson. Will you let him in? Mr. Holmes, rooms. Will you come in, please? This is Mr. Holmes... I take it you are... Charles Augustus Milverton. How are you, Mr. Holmes? No, I prefer not to shake hands with you, Mr. Milverton. Huh? This is only a matter of business between us. I see. And we can talk of it before this gentleman. It's a rather a delicate affair. Dr. Watson is my friend and partner, sir. He knows our business. Really? Well, we need hardly waste much time on it. My position is quite definite. You are acting for the Lady Eva, I understand. I have that honour. What are your terms, Mr. Milberton? Seven thousand pounds, Mr. Holmes. And the alternative? Oh, my dear sir, it is painful to discuss it. But if the money is not paid by the 14th, there will certainly be no marriage on the 18th. And supposing I advise my client to tell her future husband all about these letters you hold? <laughs> you evidently do not know the Earl, Mr. Holmes, nor me. I am practice at this game, sir. Look at this pocket. I have eight or ten similar cases all maturing in it. It is how I make my humble bread. You scoundrel. As you like, sir. But there are details here that would surprise you for all your so-called knowledge of affairs. You may remember the sudden end of the engagement between the Honorable Miss Miles and Colonel Dorking. And only because the absurd sum of £1,200 could not be found in time. 7000 is ridiculous, Milverton. Out of the question. Is it? I think not. There was also the case of... Oh, well, no more names, perhaps. Well, sir? Watson, get behind him. Don't let him get out now. Now, sir, that notebook, if you please. You fool, Holmes. Stand back. Do you think I'd go about a business like mine alarmed? Stand back, I say. You too, Dr. Watson, or whatever your name is. Put up your hand. Holmes, I'll... Keep still, Watson. Ah, I expected something much more original, Mr. Holmes. I really did, from you... 
Do you think I'm such a fool as to carry the letters about with me? You only make me more determined than ever. One more word and I'll make it 8,000 and the 13th instead of the 14th. Good night, Mr. Holmes. It was one of my earliest glimpses of the kind of thing confronting us in what Holmes had been good enough to call our partnership. What he would do next, I had no idea. I was hardly prepared a few nights later, and on a particularly stormy evening, for the appearance in our chambers of a tall, rakish-looking young workman with a goatee beard. Governor, how are you? How? How am I? Now, look here, my good man. What do you think you're doing walking in here? These are private apartments. I happen to live here, Watson. <coughs> good heavens. Holmes. Yes, I think I forgot to warn you about my little penchant for disguises, Watson. Just one among my many other accomplishments. Phew, <laughs> <laughs> what an appalling night outside. It's coming down in sheets. Well, what on earth have you been doing? Getting myself engaged to be married. To, to be married? My, my dear fellow, I, I congratulate you. Yes, to the housemaid at Charles Augustus Milberton's. What? I had to, Watson. I wanted information. Oh, but surely that was going too far. Not at all. In my present alias, I'm a rising young plumber named Estcott. I've walked and talked with that girl every evening for nearly a week. Such charming little talks they were, too. <laughs> And now I know Milverton's house in Hampstead like the palm of my hand yes. from the basement to the attics. Yes, yes, but Holmes, the, the, the poor girl, Holmes. Well, it really can't be helped, Watson. She has to become a sacrifice on the altar of my art. Oh, fortunately, I find I have a hated rival in the shape of the local grocery assistant. He's sure to cut me out the moment my back's turned. <laughs> Look out of the window, Watson. Ah, oh, what a splendid night. You were only complaining about it a moment ago. As an honest citizen, as a burglar, I approve of it. As a, as a burglar? Yes, I propose to burgle Milverton's house before the night is over, Watson. It's the only way. I just want a few minutes to change my clothes and get rid of this ticklish beard, and then I shall be leaving you for the evening to your peaceful solitude. No, no, Holmes, I'm coming with you. My dear Watson. You said that we were partners, and that I should do something to shake off my indolence. Well, well. We've been sharing these same rooms for some months now. It'll be amusing if we should finish up sharing the same cell. <laughs> do you really mean it, Watson? To the death. Well, you're a most delightful fellow. Uh, oh, do you think you could contrive to make us up a couple of masks? Masks? Hmm. Masks? In five minutes, from black silk. I've an old umbrella somewhere. Excellent. Then that'll be your contribution. For my part, I shall be delighted to teach you how to use a jemmy hmm? and a glass cutter. And this set of adaptable keys. Oh, oh, oh. Wonderful specimens here. In two hours' time, Watson, we shall be in Milverton's study, where he keeps his safe. It adjoins his bedroom, unfortunately, but uh, I think he's pretty sure to be sound asleep. My little fiancé tells me he always sleeps like a log. Is it a bargain, Watson? It's a bargain, Holmes. <laughs> I don't like it, Holmes. 
it was too little trouble. What do you mean? Because the door of the study wasn't even locked. Oh, some oversight. Look, look. There's a light under the bedroom door. Yes. He often falls asleep with the bedroom lamp still burning. I learned that from my fiancé, too. Now then, Watson, to work. What, what do you want me to do? Stand over by the door there and give me a warning if we hear anyone coming. Right. If they come right in, we'll still have time to hide behind the window curtains. Right. I'll begin on the safe. Right, right. Now then. Skeleton keys. Ah, so. Oh, this fellow's a fool, you know. He ought to have had a much more modern safe than this one. Now then, let's see. If I could only... Now, it... Holmes! Holmes! What is it, Watson? Confounded, I've almost got it open. Someone coming, along the corridor. Two people. Ah, oh, deuce take it. What a moment to choose. It's too bad. Quick, then, behind the curtain. Can't have been in bed after all. Must have been waiting in the hall for someone. Watson, are you all right? Yes, I think so. Rather a tight fit. Well, there's a gap here I can just see through. Someone's coming upstairs, getting an oil lamp. Ah, it's Milverton, all right. There's a woman with him. Veiled. Shh, they're coming in. Well, miss, you decided to come then. Half an hour late. I couldn't manage any earlier. My mistress kept me. Well, if she's a hard mistress, you have your chance to get even with her. You tell me in your note that you've managed to get hold of some letters which compromise the Countess d'Albert. Yes, I have. You want to sell them and I want to buy them. So far, so good. I can use them in my business. Now, as to price... The price, Mr. Milverton, for everything, is your life. What do you mean, girl? Look at me. She's lifting her veil, Holmes. That's no lady's maid. Great heavens! Is it you? Yes, it's I, Charles Milverton. And don't you dare to speak my name. You've fouled it enough. You've ruined me the way you've ruined so many others. You should have found the money in time. And because I couldn't, because I begged you for two days' grace, you sent those letters you had to my husband. And he died. And you know how he died. The finest man in the world. And the letters were false. You changed the dates on them. They were written before I met him. Keep back from me. Oh, put that pistol down. No, not till I've used it. You'll break no more hearts, Charles Milverton, as you've broken mine. You hound. You filthy hound. Great heavens, Holmes. Quiet, man. He's done for. And she's got away, thank heaven. Who was that woman, Holmes? Surely you know that face, Watson. Not the Duchess. Oh, never, never mention names, Watson. Now's our chance if we're quick. What are you doing, man? Safe, Watson. The papers in the safe. To save our own client and who knows how many more besides. Quick, put that bundle in your pocket, Watson. Yes, yes. Give the rest to me. Hurry. Yes. Someone must have heard the shots. Listen. There are people coming. Out of the window quickly, Watson. So we escaped, down a convenient drain pipe, over two garden walls, and luckily found an empty hansom at the bottom of the road, and reached Baker Street at last, and safety. Huh. Our adventure was over, or almost over. As I lay tossing sleeplessly in bed that night, I found myself more than ever intrigued by the personality of my strange companion. I recollected our first meeting only a few months before. I'd just come back from medical service abroad 
and was moping miserably about this old London of ours, of handsome cabs and fog and gaslight, doing simply nothing at all. And then, standing at a Piccadilly bar one day... Hello there, Watson. Remember me? Uh, what? Why, yes, Stamford, young Stamford. He used to be a dresser under you and you were a medical student at Bart's, remember? Of course I remember. Confounded, it's a pleasure to see a friendly face, Stamford. London's the very deuce for a lonely man. Oh, what on earth have you been doing with yourself, Watson? You're as thin as a lark and brown as a nut. Oh, oh. Afghanistan, you know. Uh-huh. The campaign out there, army surgeon. I say, have a drink, will you? Thanks, don't mind. Uh, start, I think. I got wounded pretty badly. At my wand, confounded nuisance, subclavian artery. Uh, two glasses of stout, please. Invalided out then, eh? And uh, what are you doing with yourself now? Nothing, nothing. Trying to solve the problem of finding comfortable rooms on an army pension, 11 and 6 a day. <laughs> well, here's your health, Stamford. Yours, Watson. Here's to old times. Strange you should say that, you know. Say what? About looking for rooms. You're the second man today who said it to me. And who was the first? Oh, some fellow was working in the chemical lab up at the hospital. A fellow called Holmes. He wouldn't like to go halves, I suppose. Exactly what he was saying. Looking for someone to share with him, you know. I'm the very man, then. What's his other name? Sherringford, is it? No, 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 no. Sherlock. Knew it was something queer. Sherlock Holmes. What's he do? Deuced if I know. He's got a whole store of -of out-of-the-way knowledge that would astonish the professors. And he's a first-class chemist. Says he's going in for something quite special. I say, Watson. Huh? Let's go along to the lab and meet him. He's bound to be there. Let's have lunch somewhere and then go on, shall we? Excellent. I only hope it comes to something. I must confess, he sounds quite interesting. Uh, through this way. He's bound to be there. Uh, mind you, Watson, you mustn't blame me if you don't get on with the fellow. He's pretty queer in his ideas. How do you mean? Well, I actually came on him the other day, beating the subjects in the dissecting room with a stick. What on earth for? Said he wanted to find out how far bruises could be produced after death. Uh, through here now. Mm. Gruesome tastes, eh? Still. Ah, there he is. The tall fellow behind all the test tubes and retorts. I told you he'd be working. I say, Holmes. Stanford. Eureka, Stanford, I've just found this. You found what, Holmes? A reagent which is precipitated by hemoglobin and by nothing else in all the world. Indeed. Well, I want you to meet Dr. Watson, Holmes. Watson, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes. How are you, Doctor? From Afghanistan, I perceive. What? How on earth did you know that? (laughs) Never mind. The question now is about hemoglobin. No doubt you see the significance of this discovery of mine. Well, it's probably interesting enough chemically, but from the practical point of view, I... My dear fellow, it's the most practical medical-legal discovery for years. Don't you see that it gives us an infallible test for bloodstains? Indeed? Yes. Criminal cases are always hinging on this kind of thing. A man suspected of a crime long after it's committed, let's say, and his linen turns out to have brownish stains on it. Yes, but are they blood or mud or rust stains or fruit stains or what? Now we have the Sherlock Holmes test, Dr. Watson, so there can be no more difficulty. Ah, they say you are to be congratulated, Mr. Holmes. Of course I am. There was the case of von Bischoff at Frankfurt last year, and and Mason of Bedford and Sampson of New Orleans. I could name a score of cases where the thing would have been decisive. By Jove, you're a regular walking calendar of crime, Holmes. Well, why not, eh? What could be more fascinating? 
Have you a taste for such matters by any chance, Doctor? Oh, well, I confess it's been a little beyond my range. Oh, you'll get it, sir. You will, I assure you. The thing grips you like a drug. Holmes, I wanted you two to meet because Watson's on the lookout for someone to share diggings with him. Oh. The same as you are. Capital, Doctor. You look the very man for me. I've had my eye on a suite in Baker Street. Number 221B. Uh, Mrs. Hudson is the landlady's name. Uh, you don't mind the smell of strong tobacco, I hope. I always smoke ships myself. <laughs> That's good enough, then. Oh, and I generally have a few chemicals about and carry out experiments like this one. That wouldn't annoy you. By no means. Well, then let me see. What are my other shortcomings? Oh, I get down in the dumps sometimes and don't open my mouth for days on end. And, um, oh, I have a fancy for revolver practice indoors. So long as I can rely on your aim. Infallible, I assure you. Now, what have you to confess? <laughs> oh, well, I get up at all sorts of ungodly hours and I'm very lazy. I... <laughs> I don't like too much row, but, but, oh, but I put up with the revolver shots. Good. I've got another set of vices when I'm well, but these are the principal ones for the present. And that's all right. Thank you, Stamford. I'm very much obliged to you. Well, shall we go together, Dr. Watson, and look at the rooms tomorrow? Uh, say at noon? At noon, Holmes. It'll suit admirably. Oh, one other little thing. The violin. You don't include violin playing in your category of rouse. It depends on the player, my dear Holmes. If it's badly played... Ah, that's something I shall have to leave you to judge for yourself, my dear fellow. And I shall have pleasure in testing your ear with a few of my own little compositions. Then you will be able to judge my modest capabilities. Till tomorrow, then, my dear Dr. Watson. Till tomorrow. So we took those rooms together and settled down quite amicably. As the weeks went by, my interest in my companion intensified. I studied his sharp, piercing eyes, his thin, hawk-like face, and I wondered time and again what he did for a living so as to pay his share of our humble reckoning. He was out at all sorts of strange hours, and when he was at home, curious visitors were always calling on him. And then he would ask if he might have our sitting room to himself. It was a thin, sallow, dark-eyed fellow called Lestrade, for instance, who came three or four nights in one week. Once, a fashionably dressed young girl waited on him. At another time, it was a railway porter in his velveteen uniform. The thing puzzled me until, at last, one day... Ah, you wonder what I do for a living, Watson, eh? I've seen you looking quizzically once or twice at these visiting clients of mine. Clients? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, just pass me over the Persian slipper, will you, my dear fellow? I always keep the tobacco in it. Thank you. The fact is, I'm a professional thinker, Doctor. A thinker? Certainly. I piece things together, you see, just as a logician could infer the possibility of an Atlantic or a Niagara from a single drop of water without having seen or heard of either of them, so I build rare edifices of deduction from the observation of a few simple facts. Oh, oh come home. That's the truth, I assure you. If you're looking round for a cigar, by the way, my dear chap, you'll find them in the coal scuttle. Yes, yes, I have a trade all my own, Watson, the only one in the whole world. I'm a consulting detective. Oh, that's London, full of detectives, Holmes. Oh, lots of government ones and plenty of private ones, but none like me. I've built up quite a special little connection, Watson, 
And when any of these other fellows are at last, they generally come to me to put them right. But just, just by thinking about things, I suppose. Exactly. I have a term for observation and deduction, as you must have noticed. <laughs> that first time we met, for instance, when I mentioned to your surprise that you'd just come from Afghanistan. Oh, you were told about it, no doubt. Nothing of the sort, Watson. I just knew. It's second nature to me. My train of thought ran something like this. Here's a fellow who's a doctor, but with the air of a military man, clearly an army surgeon, then. Just come from the tropics, for his face is dark, but that isn't his natural color, for his wrists are fair. His arm is stiff, he's been wounded. Where in the tropics could an English army doctor have been wounded lately? And the obvious answer was in the Afghan campaign, probably the Battle of Maiwand. <laughs> it's simple enough when you explain it. I confess I was taken aback a bit at the time. <laughs> and do you mean to say that you apply these principles to the detection of crime? Of course I do. That fellow Lestrade you were asking me about the other day, for instance, he's a Scotland Yard man, one of the best. But he got himself into a fog over a forgery case recently and came to me to ask my advice on the evidence he had. I solved it for him on the spot. Upon my life, you astonish me, Holmes. I had no idea that that was what you were up to. What, what gave you the notion? Oh, natural talent, I suppose. When I was still at college, a small thing happened to come my way, which enabled me to solve a curious crime. I decided that I had a taste for such matters, and so here I am now, a professional investigator. That's the kind of thing I deal with in this life of mine, Watson. That, and of course my music. Well, I never thought of you as a professional investigator of crime. Even when you talked about it so much at the hospital that time we met. Well, one really must do something to keep oneself from boredom. You may find yourself mixed up in it one of these fine days, you know. You never know, Watson, you never know. And I was, of course, you know that now, with the Milverton exploit, as I've related it as the first real adventure of them all in which I felt myself truly involved. It ended rather oddly, that burglary episode of ours. The very morning after it, after my sleepless night, there came in the little man I'd so often seen before. Lestrade, the good Lestrade of Scotland Yard. Good morning, my dear Lestrade. Good morning, Mr. Holmes. I was wondering... Oh, this is Dr. Watson, by the way. He was asking all about you the other day. How do you do, Doctor? Any friend of Mr. Holmes is, is a friend of mine. Delighted to meet you, Inspector. Well, sit down, won't you, and share a pipe with us. Too much of a hurry, I'm afraid. I just wanted to ask if you had anything particular on hand, Mr. Holmes. Oh, I don't think so. Nothing much. A little matter down at the docks involving a giant rat... From Sumatra. You can leave the rats to look after themselves, Mr. Holmes. There's been murder done up at Hampstead. Wanted you to look into it for us. Queer business. Oh, really? Who's been murdered? A fellow called Milverton. Indeed. I believe I've heard the name. Holmes. Holmes. Not feeling dicky, are you, Watson? Any details, Lestrade? Well, no. We know who did it, of course. You know? Good heavens. Couple of them, Doctor. Nearly got them, they did. There was a hue and cry, you see. They got away worse luck, but they were seen. How interesting. And what are they supposed to look like? First one, very tall. Other fellow, middle-sized, thick-necked man with a moustache. Moustache, They both had masks over their eyes. Oh, come, Lestrade, that's rather vague, isn't it? 
On my soul, it might even be a description of Watson and me, eh, Watson? It might indeed. <laughs> You're right, Mr. Holmes. You're perfectly right. <laughs> By Jove, it might be. <laughs> well, uh, uh, will you handle it? I'm afraid not this trade, not this time. I know something of this fellow Milverton. He was a rogue and a blackmailer. There are certain crimes that the law can't punish adequately, my dear fellow. And in this instance, my sympathies are with the criminals, Miss Trade. I will not handle the case. Mm, well, if you won't, you won't. No, I'll get the fellows all right in time, I dare say. Will you, Lestrade? Well, I do hope you may. Pass me my violin as you go out there, as a good fellow. I feel deuced lazy this morning. Had rather a strenuous night. Pleasure, Mr. Holmes. Well, good morning, Doctor. See you again, I dare say. Always in and out of Baker Street, you know. Good morning, Inspector. Good morning, Mr. Holmes. Good morning. Best of luck, Lestrade. Oh. <laughs> well, another five minutes like that, Holmes. I'll take myself back to Afghanistan. Oh, no, you won't, Watson. You'll grow to love it, too. <laughs> this is only the beginning, my dear fellow. <laughs> only the beginning. <laughs> the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson and Sir John Gilgood that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers. I hope you enjoyed these two fine actors playing the main characters of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Sir Ralph Richardson, as Dr. Watson tonight, worked in films throughout most of his career and played more than 60 cinema roles. From an artistic but not theatrical background, Richardson had no thought of a stage career until a production of Hamlet in Brighton inspired him to become an actor. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.